Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Vaya pasillo, encuentra, le pega, gol, 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 Ante el tres jugadores, el rechace para Sabiño, pone el centro, solo Estuani. Canta la Nuria, canta la Nuria, canta la Nuria. ¡Gol, gol, 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 gol! El cuarto del Girón Hermonchuic marca Cristian Estuani. Se vuelve absolutamente loco el banquillo del Girón. Welcome along to La Liga Loren podcast. La Liga Weekends. Don't usually come as good as this, but we've got an absolute treat for you in store today. My name is Rudy Barlow, I'm your host. I'm joined by Paco Polite after what was a thrilling weekend in La Liga and a thrilling climax to that weekend in the Sunday night partidazo with Girona beating Barcelona 4-2, a Catalan derby that ended with a Catalan side top of the league. Girona are seven points clear of Barcelona and there was quite a chasm on the pitch. We will come on to that in due course. I'm just going to run through the results. We'll come on to Real Madrid in the second half of the show. They drew 1-0 with Betis. The weekend kicked off with a 1-0 win for Getafe over Valencia. And then on Saturday, Las Palmas got three points away at Alaves. And big goal from Kylian Rodriguez there. Villarreal lost 3-0 to Real Sociedad and were well and truly outdone. Sevilla on the wrong side of a refereeing decision for many, but beaten by Mallorca, who end their winless streak. And then on Sunday, Atleti beat Almeria 2-1 at home. Cardiff drew with Osasuna, one each in Andalusia. And our thoughts do have to go out to the friends and family of the very unfortunate Granada fan, Descansa en Paz. Um, Athletic were leading 1-0 at Nuevo Los Carmenes when the game was stopped in about the 17th minute, Unai Simón grabbed the attention of the referee to to alert him to the fact that there was an emergency in the stands and unfortunately a Granada fan passed away from a heart attack so our thoughts thoughts sort of with them and uh, and yeah that game has been suspended and we'll start again on Monday night. Um, Paco, that was a rather unfortunate event but moving on from that we did have a thrilling end to Sunday night how are you first of all and yeah how are you feeling after watching what I think is one of the most iconic La Liga games in recent history 
Yeah, definitely. I think what what happened just a few minutes ago over in Admonjuic was uh, one of the best games of the season so far. One of the most iconic games, as you said, in the last couple of seasons, and uh, obviously can become a turning point for for the following games in the in the competition because. At this moment in time, I believe that Girona are finally and utterly believing in themselves. You know, they finally are believing that they can be championship contenders. Because we are already in match day 16. I think that after, uh, you know, almost half of the competition, when you are sitting at the top of the standings and, and watching the rest of the, of the teams just following you and trailing you behind you, I think that uh, Mitchell and his men are starting to believe that they can do it in the same way as back in the day, for example, Leicester did the same in the Premier League and other teams have surprised in the in the past. But, you know, we can't praise enough what Girona are, are doing. We're going to go in depth in, in just a few seconds regarding that game. And obviously, as you said, uh, possibly the most, uh, you know, the, the worst uh, news of the weekend was that uh, Girona uh, fan pass, uh, Girona, that uh, Granada from passing away during the game against Athletic Club. Um, I think it was, you know, a fair call to just uh, call the game off and, and kick started once again on, on Monday. Uh, and yeah, you know, our deep condolences for, for his family and friends. And regarding the rest of the weekend, as you said, you asked me how I'm doing. Well, uh, Valencia flank crashed once again on, on Friday. <laughs> And the rest of the weekend left a couple of results which are pretty surprising and very spicy, all in all. Because Sevilla once again losing against Mallorca means that Diego Alonso is the worst manager ever for Sevilla. And that is massive news for for the team in the, in the negative side of things. Atletico Madrid suffered a lot. Villarreal suffered a lot and were trounced by Real Sociedad. And Las Palmas keeps surprising everyone. And obviously we can talk about later what Real Madrid did over at El Benito Villamarín where Betis had their chances of winning the game. So all in all, I think it was a very interesting weekend, uh, above average in my view. And uh, let's go deep dive into what happened, especially uh, talking about that game between Barca and Girona 2-4, which is one of the biggest surprises of the season. Yeah, Dovbeck opening the scoring for Girona. Lewandowski equalised shortly after from a corner. Before halftime, Miguel Gutierrez had two shots that came very close to, to putting Girona back in the lead before he then thumped one in with the outside of his foot um, into the top corner. That left it at 2-1 Girona at halftime. They would kind of hold on for about 20 minutes in the second half, but then they would get the third through Jan Valery. There was... There was a moment when it looked as if Barcelona might get back into it. Gundogan pulls back one goal. It's 3-2 in stoppage time. Lewandowski, six yards out, free header in the box, scuffs his opportunity. It kind of comes off his face, basically. He misses that chance. And then Kristen Stuani puts the icing on the cake for Girona. But on the whole, you were you were of the opinion that Girona were far better than this Barcelona side in general. Yeah, I think that uh, it's always interesting to you know have our uh, number of hot debates on our um, WhatsApp chats group between Roman de Arquera and myself. And Roman thought that the game was much more balanced than I did. I think that Girona were ninety percent of the game mostly in control of the of the situation. You know, they were playing better football. They were better placed upon the pitch. They did allow many shots by, by Barca ultimately, but 
yeah, you have to always uh, count on you know the accuracy of the of the attacking front of the opposition, and in this case, Barca weren't as clinical as Girona were. But as you said, for example, Miguel Gutierrez scored the second one for Girona, and he had had two massive chances only seconds earlier. So ultimately, I think that the stats, which I by the way have over here, uh, more or less tell the story. Okay, but it's not the same. Thirty-one shots against fifteen than 11 shots on target against seven. Overall, I think that the, the game was much more balanced in that front. And ultimately, Girona were much more clinical because they had the chance of being so because of the way they built up their plays. And overall, possession was very, very balanced. I think it was like 54, 46, very, very, very balanced. The, the passing around precision was also, you know, uh, very, very balanced. And overall, I think that if you analyze this game only from the sense of being more accurate on target, it doesn't really paint the, f the full picture. I think that Girona had their game plan on a much more mature, uh, you know, standardized and ultimately, um, I would say, uh, held down. You know, overall, they, they, had, they had much more a clearer game plan at Barca. Uh, Barca just did the same things that they usually do. Whereas Girona were able to adapt throughout the game, especially at the beginning when they were 1-0 one, one on, on top, and they just adapted to the way it was flowing much better than Barca, which only did their, you know, they played the only way they know. And in this sense, I think that uh, Girona were masterful, especially during the first half. The first half was a masterclass by, by Michel Sanchez, uh, against Xavi Hernandez and and in that sense I think that Girona were just building up from that uh, very solid groundwork in the first half in the second one they, they took the chances of you know uh, the counters and having uh, more attackers on on the pitch Stuani once again showing that 37 year old is just a number and uh, he was crucial on the third goal and also scored the fourth so overall I think that when Girona away from home in such a big ground, not Camp Nou, obviously, Montjuic, but a big ground nonetheless, uh, and against a big uh, team like Barca, feel so comfortable, it means that they definitely are believing that they can do it. You know, they believe they are believing their role at this point as the leaders of the of the competition. So, you know, I can't praise Girona enough for, for the performance tonight. And even though many... Barca fans will disagree for sure that Barca had more chances and shots on target and so on. I think that Girona were far superior in, in this game. Yeah, I think it's an interesting. I think Barcelona had the better of the first kind of 15 minutes or so uh, before Dovbeck scores. Um, and I think they had about 15, 20 minutes in that second half where they created chances, probably should have put one or two away and got themselves back level. But and, and it should also be pointed out that Rafinha missed two obscenely good chances. Lewandowski, as I say, that one at the end was, was really poor. Gundogan had two that he really should have put away as well. Barcelona's XG for this one was 3.98 to about 2.51 for Girona. But I think it, it touches on what you're saying there in terms of maturity and game plan. I think Barcelona were straining themselves to get those chances and they were never really comfortable mm. in this match, whereas Girona were comfortable with how this match was playing they out. Were very they were themselves. They, or, they came organically for, for Girona as a result of the way they were mm. playing, whereas Barca were 
forcing themselves to you know always trailing uh, on the scoreline that is always a disadvantage but it was it felt so much more natural for Girona uh, the way the chances were built up than for Barca who were just I don't know playing like on an impulse level and just going forward without really thinking too much about what they were doing and that I think was the biggest difference in in this game yeah and I think the for me I mean We've spoken kind of ad nauseum almost about kind of Michel and Girona systems, the way they rotate, the way they're comfortable on the ball, um, the fact that it doesn't seem to matter what is in front of them almost in terms of what the opposition do, they adapt and find a solution to it. Um, but for me, yeah, the thing that is best or most impressive about this Michel side is that the personality that they play with is, is pretty insane. I mean, like you say, you get pegged back immediately after you go. So it's one one after twenty minutes. You've had a decent enough start, but yeah, to then kind of take control of the game and to really impose your will on Barcelona, um, despite the fact that Barcelona were pressing high, they were putting them under pressure at times. And yeah, the Barcelona press is a bit leaky, but that doesn't change the fact that Girona made it look pretty dreadful at times. And and yeah, it's it's hard to find the words for what they're doing because it's it's. I can't remember seeing it in La Liga in my lifetime. I don't know if, Paco, mm. you've seen anything similar to a side of this stature, of this budget. Let's not forget that Girona's budget is about, what, uh, 50 an eighth of Barcelona's? Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, I don't know if you've seen anything similar to this. Yeah, the word maybe would be effortless. You know, the, it, it, it seems effortless, but I'm sure that Mitchell, uh, you know, drives home his, his point every single training session. But the way they play and the way they behave on top of the pitch, um, for example, the, the, um, I think it was the first goal, Jan Couto, the way he played tonight. He was, uh, you know, Valencia's uh, executor last week. Because once he came in in the second half, you know, his, his two crosses were the two goals uh, for turning the, the scoreline around for Girona. But in this game, he was a starter. And the way he played on the wing with that deep pass, leaving his teammates on his, on his own, and later, you know, with the cross and the easy finish, Jan Couto at this point is flying. And this, this player, uh, obviously with a lot of the background and, uh, you know, the ownership of the player and so on, alone and so on, but... Uh, the level of quality makes it uh, makes the the game plan to be developed in an effortless way, and Girona has plenty of quality in most of their roles, and that's why Mitchell is perfecting what he used to do back in the day with Rayo Vallecano. Remember that he he built up a squad in a similar way to Girona, but with the you know deficit of of quality in some of the positions because ultimately Rayo Vallecano. Rayo Vallecano with their humbleness and you know playing at home making it a fortress playing at Vallecas but it's not the same as Girona who are at this point developing a, such a personality where they play the same at Montilivi and on the road and that speaks volumes about the level of confidence that they are showing at this point so in this case and regarding the, the difference in budget and so on you know there's a trick on that because uh, many Girona players are on loan and that doesn't really compute on the on the financial fair play side of things. But yeah, ultimately, um, what Girona are doing, you asked me if I can find any team to compare. We have seen amazing seasons by Real Sociedad. We have seen amazing seasons by Villarreal. We have seen amazing seasons by Betis. But not in the same level of consistency as Girona. At this point in the league, 
whenever you cross the match day 10, match day 11 mark, most of the scouting areas of every single side are able to deactivate your strong points and things get balanced out much, much more. And that's why I always say that the first 9-10 games of every league are uh, some sort of, you know, mirage of, of what is later going to happen. Because the all of the, you know, the scouting uh, departments of, of every club uh, tend to, you know, analyze everything and jot it down into just, boil it down into just the strong points, weak points, and uh, from the 10th game onwards, things normally change, especially on the top. The biggest squads are able to rotate more, Real Madrid, Barca, Atletico Madrid finally, you know, find them places like the top three, and then the rest of the league develops in a more or less organic and natural way. But what Girona are doing, I don't really... I can't really find a, an example because of the uh, of the play style. I've seen teams surprising everyone being top of the league at this point, but we have to go like 20 years in the past. We have to speak about Valencia back in the day, for example, and so on. But the way Valencia played, it was very different. It was much more cagey, 1-0 winning and so on. What Girona are doing, I think it's unprecedented and it, uh, in at least 25 years. So... As long as we keep watching this, I think that fans, overall fans, should enjoy it as as much as possible. You know, as long as it uh, as it happens, because uh, we don't really know when the form is going to dip. We don't really know if yeah, that, that is the same question we have been asking ourselves for five or six games already, and it doesn't happen. So imagine Girona being on top during the winter break. That in itself would be the biggest story of the year. And if they are able to keep the form during the the month of January, yeah, it would be, uh, mm, I don't know, one of the biggest stories, not only of the season, but of the century so far. Absolutely, absolutely. Moving on to kind of the post-mortem for Barcelona. I'm kind of reluctant to get dragged into the kind of uh, pylon narrative for Xavi Hernandez because I think sometimes it, it becomes a little bit one-sided and it's whenever Barcelona do badly it's Xavi's fault and so on so on so on but I do have a checklist of things that I thought were were so far off today firstly I mean we talked about the finishing and goals change games but for that fourth goal there's Miguel Gutierrez makes that run twice from the free kick mm -hmm. where this goal eventually comes from nobody picks him up there and he eventually makes that run the third time it gets played into him and that results in Stuani's goal that's just poor concentration it's the sort of thing that you don't expect to see at this level from let alone the, the worst team in the league the worst defense in the league Al Maria, let alone Barcelona second of all I think this the formation in the second half it was really hard to see exactly what he was going for because it was Araujo in the middle Koundé outright trying to deal with Savinho and then a combination of Balde and Cancelo sort of being at the back but there was no there was no central defender De Jong was in there sometimes there was no actual player kind of playing as the, the third member or the fourth member of that back four and Cancelo and Balde were emptying it out pretty regularly as well so that was pretty confusing to me I don't understand why Rafinha continues to get so many chances or at least stay on as long as he did when he was essentially detonating sabotaging Barcelona attacks all game today and I know he's come up with goals and assists in the past and I know he's relentless and that's part of his quality is the fact that he tries so hard, he makes so many runs and he creates so much space. But there becomes a point where 
I think it was disheartening for Barcelona because they would find themselves in space, they would find themselves in good situations, and he would be the one to, to kind of, yeah, ruin those attacks for them. And again, I don't like piling onto one player, but um, I find it, I find it really hard to watch him right now. Yeah, Rafinha, um, Rafinha I, I, I'm not going to, you know, defend his, his game overall because it was pretty awful, but it's true that he got a couple of big, big challenges on him. I think one of them... He got like sent flying away in a in a counter from Barca. He got, uh, you know, tackled from behind, and it was pretty nasty. But overall, yeah, Rafinha. It's not only the you know the the accuracy on on front and then having chances and not scoring and you know failing easy passes, um, but all, all around the attitude whoa, that he shows the uh, the lack of pressure on you know on on the offense, the the lack of. Overall work, work ethic, uh, and I think that Xavi, uh, you know, back in the day, I believe that he didn't really like that. But uh, if you see Rafinha in a couple of games, and you see Xavi keeps starting him, I don't know, he maybe isn't as uh, as paying as much attention as I believed uh, on on this player. So, or maybe he believes that uh, the extra quality that he brings to the table uh, is able to compensate his lack of of work ethic. I, I don't know. I think that's um, Xavi should really look into different options rather than Rafinha at this point. And yeah, as you said, all of the jumbled mess of Barca in the second half at the back was just uh, the perfect showcase of uh, Xavi's uh, inability to really turn things around in the game. I think that he was trying different things and instead of, uh, you know, uh, delivering sort of revolution on, on the on the lineup and, and, and changing the pace on the game, uh, it really just boiled down to another mess for Barca and make th made things even easier for Girona. And once again, we're talking about having a clear game plan against uh, just winging it. And I think that Xavi did exactly that in the second half and Girona t took advantage of that. Absolutely, yeah, I agree. And, and yeah, Lewandowski as well, Vito Roque coming in in the in the January transfer window, I think he's going to have to make some big decisions because, yeah, between him, Felix, Lewandowski, there's too many players mm -hmm. that are flashing as opposed to putting in consistent performances. And even though Ferran Torres, again, can be inconsistent in front of goal, at least you kind of generally know what you're going to get for him. But, but yeah, I don't know if you have any final words to wrap up on Barcelona. We've gone pretty long on this game. I think it deserved yeah. it, but uh, we'll move on to the second <clears throat> half of the show if you have anything else to say. Well, um, in this case, I would say that uh, Girona being 12 points clear of Champions League spots is mind-blowing. Uh, 12 points above the fifth uh, spot, which is uh, Real Sociedad. And, you know, with that kind of advantage... I can say that we're not for an utter crashing and burning from Girona in the second leg of the of the competition. We can definitely be uh, betting on Montilivi listening to the Champions League anthem next season, regardless of what happens with the champions, uh, with the tournament uh, race and the and the trophy race overall. But you know, 41 points in 16 games, um, 12 above the the fifth place, I think that is quite the the comfortable advantage for Girona. And regarding Barca, uh, under any other circumstance, I would say that they are, if not already in, very close to being in another crisis period. But unfortunately for Valencia, there's a Valencia-Barça next weekend. And 
you know, if Aspirine could be uh, transformed into a team, Valencia has often become one of them. So <laughs> mm, there's a duel of of necessities in both cases, and I don't really like the the look of things at this at this point between a Valencia who are struggling at this point in the competition and the Barca who will be reeling from this uh, harsh defeat and will definitely be trying to, you know, get back with a come back with a vengeance. Yes, Royal Antwerp top Royal Antwerp up next in the Champions League as well. But we'll take a quick break for the second half of the show and then we'll be back underway before you know it. So don't go anywhere. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. Corta William José, pelota atrás, le pega gol. Dios mío de mi vida, qué golazo, qué golazo, qué golazo. Hola, qué gol ha metido. Welcome back to the La Liga Lodem podcast. It's Rudy Barlow, it's Paco Pollitt. We, we sort of went very deep into Barcelona Girona there. The 4 2 win was, was massive, but that kind of took our attention away from Real Madrid and a 1 1 draw at the Benito Villamarín with Real Betis, in which was a fantastic game. Jude Bellingham opened the scoring as he's wont to do. A brilliant link up with Rodrigo there, but then an absolutely thumping goal from Aitor Ruibal. Um, equalised for Betis just when they thought just when it looked right Real Madrid were kind of taking control of this game and then those last 20 minutes kind of belonged to Betis because Isco was an inspired man Uh, this was a really good game and probably a good point for Betis and not the worst result for Real Madrid also Isco hit the woodwork in the 
in the last 15-20 minutes. So as you said, yeah, I think that Betis were fighting for the for the three points, which is already news in in these kind of games. Whenever you play against Real Madrid at home, and uh, in Real Madrid's case, as you say, I think that when they were feeling the most comfortable during the game, uh, they were uh, blown away by that Ruibal uh, screamer, which went straight into the angle. One of the best goals of the of the weekend. So um, Betis under quality have these kind of things you know when when they are feeling or you know letting down their fan base with the way they are playing and Real Madrid felt in control of the games a flash of quality are uh, is able to to level things very quickly so as you said Isco often plays in a very motivated way against Real Madrid because of the way things went down back in the day it happens just the same when he plays against uh, Sevilla and everyone knows that Isco when He's motivated 100% on point and physically apt. He can be one of the biggest game changers in in, in any 22-player, uh, you know, uh, football game. And and in this case, he showed his the best part of his talents in the in the latter part of the of the game. Real Madrid once again, Bellingham scored, which is already not in our news uh, list because it's more or less expected. And yeah, overall, the subs didn't really work for Ancelotti in the last stretch of the game uh, with Jose Lu coming in and so on. Um, problems at the back with, with subs and um, once again, uh, Lucas Vazquez. And I don't know, Real Madrid didn't really feel comfortable. And I don't know why uh, they always feel it uh, a bit tough playing against Betis on the road. Maybe because of the playstyle developed by Betis and, and Manuel Pellegrini, but it's not the most comfortable ground and, and team to play against for, for Real. So overall, looking at the way things went down, ultimately the point might be um, not bad for Real. Always not winning is a disappointment regardless, but uh, the main issue for them is that Girona keep winning. And uh, I think that Real Madrid and Madridistas didn't expect Girona to win this weekend, and they did. So they are second two points away from them. I 100% am positive that Real will have chances of once again assaulting the the first spot and and snatching it back. But yeah, overall not not the best showcase uh, from of their talents and uh, fair uh, one one draw on the road. Yep, they are five points clear of Barcelona and Atleti. Atleti still have that game in hand against Sevilla, of course. They picked up a relatively routine 2-1 win over Almeria. Leo Baptisteau got a late goal for Almeria and they made it a little bit difficult, but Correa and Morata goals made this pretty comfortable. The other game on Sunday, Cadiz were 1-0 up going into the closing stages against Osasuna at home. Roger Mabdi opened the scoring. And then a penalty from Ante Budimir, quite controversial one. Sergio Gonzalez, who was furious on Monday, as our as our uh, subscribers, our pro subscribers will know, um, said that they're kind of uh, ruining football after this game. But a yeah. valuable point for Osasuna, who avoided defeat. Cadiz keep themselves four points clear of Celta, who play on Monday night against Rayo Vallecano. Um, before we sort of get on to the, the Villarreal side of by, by the way Sergio Sergio is right by the way uh, <laughs> because Mbaye's handball is appalling you know that call is absolutely appalling and uh, um, 100% uh, I 100% agree with what Sergio said they are bringing football down with the VAR calls and the refereeing level once again the debate of the season I'm not going to change my mind 
Spain's refereeing is at this point the lowest level, the lowest quality level overall in Europe. And uh, VAR isn't really helping. I think it's bringing it down even further. And nothing is going to change my mind on this because we see it week after week after week after week with appalling calls as the penalty delivered to, to Osasuna uh, over Mbaye's handball, which is uh, once again mind-blowing. Sergio's right, in my view. Yeah, big words there and problematic because Medina Cantalejo, Medina Cantalejo, the head of the referee, says everything is fine. Um, but yeah. <laughs> moving on from that because uh, there's not much more to say about it. Villarreal were, I mean, Marcelino said before this game that Real Sociedad for him were the best team in La Liga and they duly proved to be much better than Villarreal because they won 3-0 in a pretty comfortable fashion. Miquel Merino, Martin Subimendi and Take Kubo in the space of 10 minutes made it 3-0. Capoue avoided a red card after kicking Bryce Mendes' arm, who was kind of supporting yeah. him. He's got a broken arm, he'll be out for four to six weeks. It's... Uh, yeah, he did well to escape that, and he's lucky there's not really a culture of kind of uh, citing players for <laughs> violent behaviour. But yeah, but you, you can uh, definitely you can say that the challenger was very harsh by by Capu, very tough. Uh, um, but at the same time, I don't believe that he wanted really to harm Bryce Mendes. I think that it was just a matter of bad luck because Capu is a very, uh, you know, uh, very passionate player on, in every play you know he always goes with lots of strength through every tackle and I think that unfortunately uh, Bryce Mendes fell he had his arm on, on the ground and and Capu kicked it and, and broke it but I don't really believe that Capu wanted to harm the the opposite player yes and but a big win for Real Sociedad who moved into fifth place ahead of Athletic with their game so to come of course um, pretty damaging defeat for Marcelino and Villarreal. I mean, they looked very off the pace in this game, didn't they? I, I think Parejo, Capoue, Albiol, you can't be starting all three of them these days. I think it's just too much to, to ask for them, particularly yeah, the if pace. you're trying to press up against a side like Real Sociedad. I think Marcelino was not quite suicidal, but he certainly asked for trouble in this one. But he really trusts the veteran players because he knows that uh, he can build upon them the the rest of the you know the rest of the squad. But whenever you uh, join the three of them at the same time and others who are playing at this point with uh, other other players, having too many of them on, on the pitch at the same time can be damning on the pacing of the team. And I think that the word for this game was outpaced. Villarreal were definitely outpaced by by Real Sociedad in the first half. They didn't allow a single goal before the 38th minute, but after, you know, uh, they came in quick uh, succession. Mikel Merino, Zubimendi, and Takekubo before the halftime. So, yeah, the game was polished uh, regarding the second half. Nothing really could be done at, this, at that point, but I think it was more an issue of pace. And yeah, Marcelino's first defeat as uh, Villarreal's new manager. But I think that he'll, you know, he'll come around and, and switch things up. And possibly in the winter market, I believe, and I have uh, sources backing that, that uh, a couple of players are going to go and a couple of players are, come, are going to come in because Marcelino has, uh, you know, full powers in, in the sports direction uh, in Villarreal because he signed with that under those conditions. So yeah, I'm not really suffering for Villarreal. Tough defeat. But, uh, you know, they will turn things around, definitely. Yeah, interesting January to come for them. Villarreal kind of, 
I think in many people's view, you got robbed two points with Ben Bird and Diaz's goal being disallowed last weekend against Sevilla in stoppage time. And Sevilla were not happy at all about a disallowed goal. This time it came off in the series back or arm, depending on which side of the, the wall you fall on. But Sevilla, Diego Alonso, they are in dire straits. They're now 16th and still four points clear of the relegation zone. Celta with that game to come. But yeah, I mean, Diego Alonso has still not won a La Liga game and we're, what, a month, two months into his spell nearly. This can't go on much longer, can it, Paco? Uh, he's, as I said earlier, the worst manager ever in Sevilla's history, uh, especially after coming uh, over to, to replace another manager. And yeah, Sevillismo at this point are just, uh, you know, a ticking bomb waiting to explode because uh, many things happened earlier this week with a shareholders meeting, all of the controversy, uh, you know, the, the whole fan base firmly divided between those who want the board to leave and to go and others who still you know are struggling to to back the 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 board and the president and the vice president and so on many things happening outside the pitch and on the pitch uh you know sevilla have uh reasons to be angry uh, about that disallowed goal but regardless it would have been a draw on the road against mallorca which is a direct uh, enemy on the on the road to to remaining in la liga Medina Cantalejo, the boss of the refereeing committee, is a Sevillista, by the way. So, yeah, <laughs> Sevilla got damned in this in this weekend and they got penalized by arguably a, a committee or a, or a corp of, of referees uh, who don't really think about the colors of, of its members. So even Medina Cantalejo <laughs> being a Sevillista, Sevilla, Sevilla got uh, severely punished with that uh, call. And, yeah, massive win for Mallorca, by the way. They hadn't won in quite a while already, and Javier Agri really took a deep breath after the game because they are able to pull a plus three and pull away from the from the uh, opposition and get a, a bit of breathing air after suffering for over a month and a half without a win. Yeah, Sevilla have four games before Christmas. Lons in midweek, Tafe. Granada and Atleti to come before the end of the year and Granada's the only one that you can really see them getting points out of if they if mm-hmm. they continue to play like this. One of the things that stands out for me, they, they had a lot of chances in this game. Mallorca were perhaps a little bit lucky to come away with the three points beyond the refereeing decision but yeah, Sevilla used to be a side under Lockdeggy that regardless of what was going on in the game, knew how to eke out wins, knew how to get points regardless of how badly or poorly they played. And they're just the opposite right now. If, mm. Regardless of what's happening, they find ways to not win yeah. points. And by the way, first goal by Sai Larin, who was massive last year for Valladolid during the second round of the of the competition from January onwards. And he was one of the biggest signings for Mallorca in, in summer. And he hadn't scored since since he signed for Mallorca, so his first goal in the league uh, means a massive three points for, for his team. And just before we go, Paco, quick word on Valencia Hetafe. 1-0 win for Hetafe. Borja Mayoral, <clears throat> two red cards. Pretty hilarious game. This exactly what you expect. Yeah, Valencia got Borda last uh, <laughs> through and through on their visit to Hetafe, but Hetafe didn't uh, resort to shithousery. They were better overall, and things were made easier by that stupid red card to Gabriel Paulista and later even easier after the 1-0 by uh, Javi Guerra being 
uh, sent off by saying to the referee, eres malísimo, malísimo, which really means that you are very bad, very bad, which shouldn't be an issue, uh, you know, if other players were also uh, sent off when saying that. For example, back in the day, Vinicius told the referee, the same referee, Cuadra Fernández, exactly the same, and he only got booked. So that's the biggest difference between, um, you know, uh, a side which is struggling, uh, in this case Valencia, and other sides, in this case Real Madrid and Vinicius, who tend to have like a, a free out of jail free card uh, when they play and when they get, uh, you know, refereed by this individual in this case. But overall, awful game by Valencia, uh, far inferior to, to Getafe, who got a plus three, which is also very important to them, because at this point they are not looking down uh, on the on the relegation battle, but they are already looking towards and eyeing European spots. The streak of results has been remarkable in the last two months. They remained unbeaten for, for exactly two months. They lost last week against Las Palmas in a very tough game, and they bounced back this, this uh, Friday with this win against uh, Valencia. So uh, we should keep an eye definitely on Bordalas and his men because with or without shithousery, they are picking up the points and doing very, very well so far. And on that note, in that very Hitafe fashion, Friday night cracker to keep the fans entertained, it does move Hitafe up in the table. They are now up to ninth, just behind Las Palmas, who got that win over Alaves um, and ahead of Valencia at the same time. So fascinating week to to have kind of analyzed and been across. Thank you very much to Paco for your time. Thank you very much to listeners for joining us for this one. Remember, if you haven't already, go and subscribe. Last week we were analyzing the civil war at Sevilla and what was going on there. So you can get lots of good extra content, written content too, if you do upgrade and support us. But yes, thank you to the listener. Thank you for joining us on what was a thrilling weekend in La Liga and especially at Montjuic in that Catalan derby. What a fantastic weekend it was. If you are a pro subscriber, we'll see you again on Thursday. If not, we'll be back again on Monday. Adios. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.